Tom and Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo. My guest, my lovely husband. Hello. We are recording under the absolute yes. best slash worst possible conditions. Best conditions is that we're here on Fire Island, which is fabulous Beautiful and sunny place. and gorgeous and serene. And full of gaze. <laughs> Worst is that we're in a bedroom perched on the edge of a bed in our friend Mark's house and hoping that the sound quality is good here. So it won't be. So it apologies. <laughs> and then, yeah, but we're here. It's fabulous. A beautiful house. Um, beautiful. Everything is gorgeous and a beautiful pool. And we're just drinking and eating, uh, trying to stay away from people. <laughs> it's interesting because if you've been listening to the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we did uh, a similar sort of jury rigged podcast in our hotel room in Las Vegas. And um, it kind of works. So we're hoping this is going to work this time. We're, if the sound quality is a little dicey, I do apologize. We do apologize for that, but we are trying our best here. Yes. Uh, yes. I took a break from like swimming and drinking and came here to yes. record this. So we're both a little hungover. <laughs> anyway, but we're having a wonderful time. Uh, this is our first vacation in almost two years. I mean, we went to Vegas, but that was also work. This is the first time we actually take some time off and, and, and enjoy ourselves uh, with our friends. Because we haven't, and you know, you know, we hadn't seen them like in also in almost two years. Um, so it's fun to be together. Uh, we're all vaccinated. It's a beautiful home. Uh, you know, as I special said, thanks to our host Mark yes. and our friend David, who are both here. So we're all here having a good time, and it, it's been a lot of fun. We needed this. So and and our cats are home with our wonderful friend Greg. Uh, he's taking care of them and uh, sending pictures and texting us, letting us know everything is it's fine. Anyway, so that's pretty much that's it. That's where we are. That's yes. where Tilo are at the moment. Um, so we have a bunch of things we're going to talk about today that just sort of popped up in the culture. We, um, hmm, you know what? Let's let's do the easy one first, which <laughs> is the House of Gucci trailer dropped uh, late, late last night. It's on our site this morning. Uh, House of Gucci is the story of the Gucci family and the uh, the one daughter-in-law who tried to have her husband murdered and blah, blah, blah. Starring Lady Gaga, Adam Driver. It has been burning up social media and online life oh, for the crazy, entire yeah. past year Every while they were shooting it in Italy. Um, so the trailer dropped. And as we've been saying all along, because it's, it's a Ridley Scott-directed film, and the cast is amazing. Most of the cast has either won or been nominated for an Oscar. Um, and it's an all-star kit. Jared Leto and Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino, Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Salma Hayek. I mean, it is a bloated right. all-star cast. It's a cast. big production yeah. uh, in, in every possible way. I mean, I, you know, I... I can't wait to watch it. I think it's going to be fun and, and campy and just, you know. Well, this is what, yeah, what we said in all through while it was being shot, we were like, this is either going to be a masterpiece or it's going to right. be a total camp fest. So the trailer drops and I could swear, <laughs> I could swear that Ridley Scott, the director said early in the year, we're not going to be doing Italian accents in the film. Um, really? He said that? I don't remember. I could yeah. swear that that was said at one point in the press for the film, that that they weren't all going to. But it turns out they are. It's all um, American actors and one English actor, Jeremy Irons, serving up just the most spicy meet the ball kind of Italian <laughs> accents. And I mean, that's funny, but I, 
I immediately thought, okay, this might not be the Oscar prestige drama. I thought it was going to be, it might just be this big, fabulous camp fest, which, which I would be totally fine, fine with. yeah. But um, I thought I would give Lorenzo the floor here because this is something that drives him absolutely crazy. And I'll just set the well, tone. Because... Wait, wait, let me just say. Chernobyl came out last year or the year before, the miniseries on HBO, and it was a big deal. And he got really mad at the time, Lorenzo, that this became a big deal, that uh, people were complaining the whole... Uh, series was set in Russia, obviously, and all of the actors were either American or English, and they were all using their natural accents. Nobody was talking in like this Putin sort of, you know, Russia, you know, Boris and Natasha accent. And people thought that was strange. And Lorenzo and I have always been of the opinion that um, that's weird. It's weird to make people perform in English, but do it with an English accent while we're all supposed to believe the characters are speaking their own native language. It's just weird. People in Chernobyl were speaking Russian to each other. They weren't speaking English with a Russian accent. Same thing with something like House of Gucci, where it's an entire Italian family in Italy. They would be speaking Italian to each other. They would not be speaking English with an Italian accent. So real quick, my take is, if we're supposed to buy into the fact that all of these people are speaking a language other than the one that they're actually speaking on screen, just lose the accent. Don't give me that goofy accent. Anyway, go, Lorenzo. No, the thing is that because I guess because I watch so many international uh, productions like movies and TV series, I just feel that um, it there's no need for that. And I tweeted about it. I said, why do you need to have an accent to make it believable, to make the story so that you can really believe that the story is happening in Italy? Uh, they do that often. And I think it's, it's an American thing. It's, correct? A, it's an American thing. And it's a very old, I think, Hollywood tradition yeah. uh, that goes back you know, in to the forties and fifties when, when people had accents, you know, so that they could, you know, so that you could think they're from that country or, you know, part of that culture. Uh, there's no need for that. Uh, I, I, I just hate it. And I, you know, it's, to me, it's borderline offensive, but I'm not going to go there. I just want to, I just think that there's no need to, to have an accent, especially like this movie, for example, why do you need an accent? Um, just be in Italy, just tell the story. And they, and you made a very good point. Um, and that's something that drives me crazy too, is when, uh, someone goes visit the parents and, and they, they, they start speaking Chinese or whatever, Korean, I Italian, whatever language they, they exchange two sentences and then they drop the whole thing and then go to English. Yeah. They, they switch to English. And I'm like, all right, that would not happen in real life. I mean, if you are speaking your parents' language, then you'd have a whole conversation and, uh, and you would insert you know, some expressions here and there or a word here and there, because sometimes it's hard to, uh, to come up with, 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 uh, you know, a, a, a similar term. So sometimes you, you say a whole sentence in, in a language, in a foreign language, and then you drop an English word, but still, but the if they're in the their homeland, yeah, I don't think that the conversation will still be, you know, mostly in the language, whatever. So that drives me crazy. It's like, okay, we need to establish that this is a conversation between the parents and, and, and the, and the kid and they, and that they speak their language and then they, they drop it. It's just so, so I'm sorry. It's always, it's, it's like to just establish a situation or, or set up a, a, a a plot or scene or whatever and the same thing with gucci like you they all have to speak like this so that so that you think that Brava. Okay, yeah, yeah so they're, they're all, all italian <laughs> uh it's just it's corny it's cheesy it's everything. it may be deliberate ridley scott is a very accomplished director if he's making that choice i don't think it's because he's he's not sophisticated enough to understand it or whatever so that's why i'm like well i guess 
I guess they're going for camp. Um, but it is kind of goofy to see like Jared Leto and, and, you know, all these Americans try to put on these heavy, heavy, heavy. And I don't, I, I'm not well versed enough. I would love to know if any uh, English speaking Italian people really think those accents sound accurate. I'm assuming of course they, they all had voice coaches and stuff like that. Like we, we were talking about this before we flipped on the mics and Kate Winslet's accent work on Mayor of Town came up. Our friend David, sort of threw it out as a devil's advocate. He's like, well, how's that different from a British actress appropriating an American accent like Kate Winslet did? Um, and honestly, I mean, I think Mayor of Easttown would have been strange if Kate Winslet walked around walked, speaking in her natural English accent and, and trying to pass herself off as a Philly cop. And it would be weird because everybody else would have an accent or would have an American accent and she right. wouldn't have one. So it, I, it's a different setup. But when you're telling a story that happened in Italy and you feel the need to... Uh, create this fake accent so it, it becomes more original or more real. I, I don't get that at all. Why? Why? <laughs> On the other hand, I'm trying to picture the trailer that we saw and imagine if everybody was speaking in their basic flat American accents. It wouldn't, would it have felt Italian to us? Would it have felt, to an American audience member, would that have sold the idea that these were all Italian people speaking Italian in Italy? If we just let them all speak. So I don't know. Like you have to I mean, clearly the film is, I mean, all Altamoda Italian style. It's very, very um, leaning into that. Like it, it, that whole Italian identity is part of the, uh, of the appeal of the movie, I think. So I get, I'm of two minds about it. I completely understand Lorenzo's take on this, that it's cheesy and it's a very American thing to, to have these characters speak in these cheesy accents. On the other hand, trying to do a film about an Italian, um, you know, uh, fashion family and not have any of the actors speak in a way that would indicate that they were Italian. I don't know. So I would love to hear what people think. <laughs> and I would especially love to hear what, um, if there's anybody, um, you know, native Italian speakers listening to this, because uh, you never know. Uh, I would love to know what you guys, did you hear the accents? What did you think? As an Italian person, is is that offensive? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I certainly wasn't offended as a Philadelphian when Kate Winslet did a nearly flawless Philadelphia accent. So I, I can't say. Go ahead. You want to uh, say See, something? I have no problem when, when someone is trying to... Uh pretend to be from a certain country and, and, and fake an accent as a character. I have no problem with that because that's different. But when you have an entire movie about a certain culture and culture and, and, and people like this movie, Gucci, for example, it's all about the Italians there um, telling a story and so on. Why the two hours and a, and a half or two hours of, of like fake Italian accent to tell a story? It's going to great on it. It's going to by the end sound like some sort of Saturday Night Live sketch. I think when it, you know two hours of Adam Driver doing this goofy, I mean, the, spicy meatball, you know, Chef Boyardee kind of accent. I don't know. We'll they see. shot the movie there in Italy, so you have Italy, you have the costumes, you have everything. The entire know, crew the was probably Italian. Why? So what did they think watching all these Americans talk oh like this? Oh my god, I, I, I'd be mortified. But anyway, that's just me. <laughs> you know what doesn't mortify me? My bombasad. 
workouts. Yes. Lots of things can make your workouts hard. Extra resistance, double speed, one more mile. Your socks shouldn't, though. That's why Bombas Performance Socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive. Bombas Performance Socks have taken all the amazing innovations that make Bombas the most comfortable socks you've ever worn and added their special Hex Tech Performance technology. Bombas Performance Socks are stitched with special moisture-wicking yarn and temperature-regulating vents that allow cool air to flow in and prevent overheating. They come with a pillow like tab to save you from blisters, stay up technology, a special arch hugging system, my favorite part of it, and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. Let me just say, I always stop at this point and, you know, wax rhapsodic about how much I love my Bombas socks. And the best way that I can illustrate it this week is I packed like three pairs of them to bring to Fire Island with me, knowing full well that in the 10 years I've been coming to Fire Island, I've never worn a pair of socks and pretty much nobody does here. But I was like, oh, they're so pretty. I'm going to take them. I might get a chance to show them off. That's how much I love my Bombas socks. They are amazing. They're just perfect. And I mentioned here many, many times that before Bombas, I didn't care about socks at all. But once I tried them on, I couldn't believe how comfortable they are. And I always bring this up that it's it's comfort, it's fit, but it's they're also very stylish. They're very fashionable. That's why I brought them yeah, with me yes, this week. Yes, exactly. Like, oh my God, I have my pride socks I want to pair, wear with my little rainbow flag on right. them. But I probably, as much as I love Bombas, it's hot and sandy here and I probably won't be wearing them. But if I get a chance to show them off, I will. So uh, they come in different styles for every sport with specific design features to help you optimize performance and keep you comfortable no matter what you're doing. And like all their socks for every pair of Bombas Performance socks you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 45 million pairs so far. So go to bombas.com slash TLO today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-L-O for 20% off. Thank you, Bombas. All right, what are we talking about next? Okay, so why don't we jump right into Jungle Cruise? Yes. We saw a screener of it, it drops today, it premieres today, and I think, yeah, it's also dropping on Disney Plus if you have like the premiere access thing or whatever. Um, let me just, I really didn't like it. I'm just gonna start off with this. I really didn't like it. And then I'm gonna follow that up immediately and say, it's very easy to assume that, uh, yeah, fine, Tom and Lorenzo, you didn't like it, but you're not really the audience for this sort of, you know, you're not the Disney audience. This is a family oriented And I get that. I absolutely agree. I'm not the audience for it. However, we did reviews of Mary Poppins Returns, which we liked and gave a great review. We gave a pretty good review for Cruella. Uh, so we can, you know, we can get ourselves in the Disney mode in order to enjoy a Disney film. I couldn't do it with this. Um, I really, it was three nights ago we watched it, uh, and I really tried to unpack in this why I, I responded so badly to it. And I guess to me, unlike, I mean, Cruella was a cynical cash in on an, a piece of intellectual property that they're going to, Disney's going to milk to death. And I hated that about the movie, even though I loved the movie, or I liked the movie. With Jungle Cruise, it just feels like, milking and and you know they have the jungle cruise ride in right. disneyland and disney world that ride has a long history of having racist undertones to it so they're clearly trying to uh you know clean that up clean right? that up and give it a whole new image right. but they're also cashing in and it just you know 
they turned Pirates of the Caribbean from a ride into a series of very, very expensive and lucrative films for them. And they're probably trying to do the same. Of here. course, they're yeah. trying to do the same. And but Pirates of the Caribbean, 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 I don't know if I'm saying either one the correct way. Um, uh, that was a ride based on an adventure. Like it was, the adventure was built into it. It's Pirates. Jungle Cruise, it's a Jungle Cruise. Like it's so they really had to build this up into this major, major storyline, which it was so complicated. I missed huge jobs. Like, I don't even understand what the hell's going on here. It's just, it's a jungle cruise. You really don't have to complicate it with all this magic. And I'm not going to give spoilers away, but it just, it goes places. And I'm just like, is this really a natural evolution of this story? Or are they just tacking all this shit on? You go. No, I, I agree. Um, at first, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this, and I know what's going to be like, but uh, but I'm, I'm going to try to enjoy it anyway. And I, I love Emily Blunt. I think she's a great actress. I really like her. I absolutely love her. Uh, I think she's always fun to watch, and, and you know her serious roles also um, are, are great. So I was like, all right, she's having fun here. Let's see. And and it was just like painful. It, towards the end, it became more and more painful to watch. But I watched the whole thing anyway. Um, yeah. And it's just The Rock being The Rock. You know, it's like it's not really acting. And, and just... I, I won't say that. I, and I knew you were going to say that. I, As far as The Rock goes, he is a very appealing movie star, especially an action movie star. And he brings a comedic undertone to his performance. That's very charming. Like... Jumanji, the both Jumanji films were a lot of fun, and he was surprisingly good in both of those films. I, I'm not talking Academy Award winning good. I mean good, funny, action, comedy good. When So I don't dislike The Rock as or Dwayne Johnson as an actor, and I didn't I wasn't particularly upset that he was cast in this film or anything like that. But when I watching the film, I was like, wow, he is just The Rock all over this. It's just um, not a lot of variation. They were sort of leaning into his whole persona a lot. Right. As you noted, um, throughout the movie, several times characters go off on how large he is. And how unusual. big. Yeah. Having said that, the movie is set in 1916. And I'm sorry, nobody looked like The Rock in 1916. Yeah, nobody but, had bodies like that. So they kind of have to keep acknowledging the fact that he looks so anachronistic. But at this point, it feels like a contract clause. Like he, they have to mention his body in every movie yeah. uh, he makes. Uh, and it's just getting a little old and, and yeah, boring. Um, the man looks great. No, you know, uh, but come on. I um, think, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's it just it. It just felt like, I mean, it, it felt like a park ride, you know, like one of those rides they have. Uh, that goes on for two plus yeah, hours. Yeah, it just felt like that. Uh, and, and now you have all the technology and all, you know, the resources to make it look like incredible. But it's still, it's just, it feels like something just spinning around and, you know, nonstop. Uh, and occasionally a dialogue and a scene, and then more spinning. Um, then there's the, the the her brother's character. Yeah, I'm gonna get to that. Gonna get, we're yeah. gonna get to that in a minute. I felt like it felt. Here's the pull quote for Rotten Tomatoes. If you're listening, it was a rebranding more than it was a motion picture. That's what it felt like to me. Like the whole thing was a corporate rebranding exercise to get all the racist undertones and colonialist undertones out of this very popular ride. I'm sure, I, I don't even have information on this, but I would imagine that the uh, Jungle Cruise rides in Disney World and Disneyland have, have or are going to be revamped to reflect right. these Probably. films. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the original Jungle Cruise was 
partially based on, uh, you know, it had Song of the South characters in it. And, and that movie, you know, hasn't aired in 50 years because it was so racist. And it also has these colonialist undertones to it because, you know, there's tribal natives, you know, attacking and blah, blah, blah. And the film really tries to get around that. Like, it's still set in the jungle. It's still, it's mostly set in the Amazon in Brazil. Um, and they do encounter, you know, indigenous people. And they really try to turn that into an interaction that doesn't have colonialist uh, undertones to but it. But just the fact that they were there looking for something. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got a, yeah, a I mean, British woman and her brother yeah. dressed in like pith helmets and, and white, all white out. Like, yeah, you can't avoid the colonialism. Show up with a lot of money and they're trying to find something. So come on. <laughs> and yeah, even with, you know... Um, uh, Dwayne Johnson is a man of color. He's a Pacific Islander man, but uh, it, it still didn't take away the idea that it was about uh, people coming into Latin America and trying to extract something out of it and encountering all of these sort of Latin American stereotypes the whole time. I think they succeeded a bit in getting away from, like I said, they, they try and give the, the indigenous people uh, uh, an agency and a um, self-awareness that doesn't make them come off like naive, you know, tribal people. But it, there, there's there. a certain try-hard aspect to it because they're all like wisecracking indigenous people and they, you know, they have... Whatever, I don't yeah. want to give anything. I away. mean, they're not just wallpaper, like most of, <coughs> most of the time, you know, just in the background. But but, but I couldn't name one of them. Like, but yeah, but they're still, you know, I don't know, background noise uh, in a way. And I, spoiler here, minor, minor, minor spoiler. I did not expect them to try and place a romantic relationship in this story. I didn't necessarily think Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson were a good pairing. They had pretty good chemistry when they're bantering as, you know, friendly. But when it starts turning soft, focused, romantic, I was like, yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't think the chemistry is there for these two people. Um, I just, it didn't, it didn't work for me at all. Um, and, you know, towards the end of the film, the, their romance really becomes like center to the central to the story. Of and, course. And I just, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I think I would have liked this more if they were just, pals you know if they really hit it off as friends and they liked it. not that you know i'm not opposed to, to dwayne johnson being a romantic lead in anything but i just don't think emily blunt would be my choice right. that their energy is just so very different right but if you're looking for brainless entertainment that i i guess if you just want to turn it on even, and watch it i could barely keep my eyes open it wasn't really for me it wasn't that fun i don't know take it with a grain of salt i do want to talk about jack whitehall who plays Emily Blunt's, Emily Blunt's brother in the movie. And I do have to admit, I, we said it before, that's really good casting because they actually look quite a bit alike. And they have the same sort of energy on screen, same right. sort of like a, a almost stuffy British persona. So they, they actually play it off each other well. They were uh, they were really good as brother and sister. And he tried his best. So. He is written, and much was made of this fact, is that he was written as a gay character in a Disney property. Um, now, Cruella came out earlier this year, and it had a, a character in it who was clearly gay. Queer, they never queer. They never mentioned that the word gay or right. queer. But he and he's a fashion designer. He's a he's flamboyant. Uh, he wears makeup, and and he and Emily Blunt actually have a conversation about how hard it is for to be a flamboyant boy in a world. Blah blah. blah. So they danced around his queerness 
while coding him as very openly. I mean, I didn't, I actually liked it. I, I have to always temper my expectations when it comes to Disney and, and, and queer representation. Right. I, I do get annoyed at how coy it all is. It's like, what the hell is this? The 1930s, um, but it's Disney, and I. It's like it's not that I accept it. It's just that I don't get too upset over it because why would we expect queer representation in, from a place like Disney? The Cruella character, I, I think, I think they sort of threaded that needle for pretty well for a children's film. They had a character who was clearly flamboyant, coded as gay, and they actually acknowledged all of it without actually, you know, he didn't kiss any boys or anything like that. With Jack Whitehall, my problem here is that he was they coded a gay character in Cruella by making him flamboyant a fashion designer. And yes, that is sort of a stereotype, but it, I didn't find it a particular, as someone who writes about fashion and knows a lot of flamboyant gay men in fashion, that image did not bother me. Jack Whitehall's character, though, is prissy and fussy and gets scared easily and isn't good in a fight. Not, I mean, later in the movie he is, but uh, that's how he's set up and that's how we are to understand that right. he's gay. And that's not a great... I mean, you can do a stereotype about flamboyant gay men and it doesn't bother me. A stereotype about wimpy gay men? Yeah, I don't know about that. That's really retrograde. Right. But I do feel that uh, they were trying... <clears throat> to place his queerness in the period, uh, in the time period, you know, like, yeah, sort of. Like. Obvious. I mean, it's set in 1916, so I'm, yeah. there's not going to be long, to, you know, open discussions about it. And there is actually a discussion where his gayness is acknowledged and... Um, not directly. I mean, he kind it of... It is like, directly acknowledged, but they don't say gay. They say right. he and, and um, Dwayne Johnson have a conversation about why does he travel all over this, the world with his sister doing this if he, um, you know, he's not suited for this sort of adventurous life. And he basically goes into this this riff about um, I'm never going to get married, so you know I'm not the marrying kind. I can't be with the one I love. I something can't like be that. with yeah. the, it. You know, I can't be with the one. I, yeah, it's something. It's because of who I love. And I'm like, all right, that's something. I mean, that's a Disney esque version of of acknowledging queerness. It it. One of these days, possibly even this week, I'm going to do, we're going to do a newsletter on the the um, the common idea of defining queerness through love and why that's, I feel that that's problematic because queerness, love is and something everyone experiences yeah. or should. Don't give anything away. But queerness, I'm not, but queerness is, it's about more than just love. Yeah. So yeah. when you boil it down to it's it's who I love and I'm like, yeah, that's one way to talk about it. And if you're going to do that in a story like that, well, then who do you love? Like, is there someone? Because they never acknowledge that. Right. What he's really saying is, I can't uh, stay home in England because of who I'm attracted to. But uh, they can't put that in a Disney film, so it gets reduced down to who I love. Um, it's not an offensive portrayal, but I don't love it. I it I was I kind of wrinkled my nose in distaste at it. The guy that was in. Um, uh, Cruella, who that actor I can't remember his name actually is queer and out, so that actually informed his. And Jack Whitehall is not gay, um, so he tried his best. I he think. tried his best. I'm not offended. Right. Uh, it might have been a better idea to cast a queer actor in that part and let him inform it with with some form of you know pull something out of himself. But this was a, a straight actor doing queer face, gay face on film, and 
uh, it went about as you would expect. I'm like I said, I'm not angry, but it wasn't great. Anyway, give it a shot. Watch it. Um, if you're See, interested. I can't say that. Oh, I can. I think if you, you know, just give it a shot and then let us know what you think. Uh, you might like it. You I might mean, enjoy it as, as like I said, some a very light form of entertainment. I, I certainly know. wouldn't. Uh, I mean, it's fine for kids. Like that's who it's geared for. So yeah, right. if you've got kids, sit With down and family, watch it. Yeah. It's, but I found it boring and cynical. And it, like I said, it felt more like a corporate rebranding than an actual movie. So that's my pull quote on Jungle Cruise. Anything further? Yeah, that? and I, I, I actually would like to see the final version because when, when you watch screeners, you don't get the final version of of what what's going to be out there. It to me, it it looked very filtered, um, the whole movie. But it could be the screener version. Uh, you you never know. Um, I I don't have this information, so take it with a grain of salt. I'm not reporting facts here, but my observation was that um, Emily Blunt's face is digitally smoothed so much in the film that it's distracting at times. Uh, where it, I, we look at candid, often outdoor pictures of celebrities all day, every day because oh. of our job. So I am well aware of what Emily Blunt looks like in direct sunlight or when we, she- We saw her in person at the Michael uh, Kors show. I don't even remember yes, that. Yes, we did. She sat right next to us. Wow, I'm so <laughs> cynical. I have no yes, memory of this. Yes, Jesus. Yes, yes. I've been doing this too long. Microcore fashion show. Anyway, uh, Emily Blunt's a beautiful woman. I'm not suggesting otherwise, but she looks like a real person and in in less than optimal lighting conditions. And there were times during this film where I was like, nobody's nobody's skin is that tight. You know, it's just, no, it's that doesn't look normal. Yeah, like I like I said, if it, it feels and looks very filtered. Like yeah, it's almost this video game type of you know, visual. But again, I'd like to see the final version that, you know, people, everyone will see because maybe, it, you know, we got a screener and it's not the same. Sometimes it's not the same. Um, so anyway. Anything further on that? No, that's that. Uh, anyway. I'm just going to jump in here real quick and uh, give a shout out to Jody Whitaker, who um, it was announced this week that she is hanging up her hat as Dr. Yeah. Hill. And I am sad by that, but I'm not surprised by that. First off, no one lasts in that role for more than th three years tops, and I think she's on her third year. Um, but I'm saddened because she had the potential to be my favorite Doctor Who. I, I still like her in the role, but she was very poorly served. Very few of those the scripts writing, yeah, think, yeah. Were, were good. It was mm. not memorable. It didn't play. It didn't often play to her strengths. And um, I feel that she got cast with, uh, you know, companions on the show that didn't have a lot of chemistry. Only a few of them really interacted with her in a way that felt natural and realistic. Mm -hmm. um, it's just blandness. And I really hate that the first woman to inhabit this role got stuck with all these bland scripts. And when I look over her reign in the role, it's completely unmemorable. Um, supposedly there's, there's a new season coming out and then there's going to be a series of specials with her and her final, uh, time in the role, there's going to be like a feature length special. So, so there's probably 10 more hours of Jodie Whittaker as Dr. Who, and maybe, maybe she'll pull it out. Maybe there's going to be some great scripts and we're really going to see how awesome she is, but, um, she never got the chance. And I retweeted something the other day when it was announced that she was, um, leaving I will always have such a soft spot for her. When I think of the 
earliest, earliest days of the pandemic and lockdown when we were all really, really scared. She put on her Doctor Who costume, got inside a closet in her house and recorded on her phone in character as if she were the doctor telling everyone how to stay safe, how to keep their family safe and that they should all come to. And it was just, I don't know anybody who did that. A lot of celebrities were out there reading children's books and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's not like Chris Evans was putting on his Captain America costume and, you know, that's not, but she did that and she did it at home in her closet it made it look like she was running from aliens or whatever. It was just a really cute, just a cute yeah, lo-fi. And it made it, me really, yeah. really appreciate her as a person, uh, Jodie Whittaker. Like, I, I just don't know many actors who would have taken the time to do something yeah. like that. She didn't have a script. You could clear, she, you could tell she was clearly just riffing, taking, and what would the character say to people if there was a worldwide pandemic? And she went with it and it was great. Um, that's why I, I, I'm so sad that she never really got moments like that on the show so jody we love you and we hope you get 10 hours of great material and we hope you get movie roles after this just like matt smith did and you know other doctors all right now we're gonna uh, speaking of movies uh we're gonna wrap up today's podcast with a little um uh yelling at the children of celebrities our favorite (laughs) pastime no it came out this week uh let me do it's here in people magazine i'm just gonna read this because it's easier to read it Uh, than to describe it. Earlier this week, Deadline reported that actor Hopper Penn, who is the son of Sean Penn, had joined the cast of The Right Way, which is being directed by Destry Spielberg, the daughter of Steven Spielberg. Uh, The movie is also written by Stephen King's son, Owen. So uh, when this came out, uh, Franklin Leonard, who is a, um, he's a film executive. He published, he founded The Blacklist. He's an editor for um, Vanity Fair and he writes about film. Um, He's a black man. So he often writes about diversity in the industry, the lack Mm -hmm. of diversity and opportunity in the industry. So he tweeted this out, uh, you know, something about nepotism. He made a point about nepotism in Hollywood and the reason Part of the reason there isn't diversity in Hollywood is because of nepotism. It's, you know, Hollywood is, a, you know, largely white. Uh, historically, has always been basically ruled by white people. And then they have children and those children rule it and those children rule it. Um, so he made this point And Ben Stiller, of all people. Of all people, yes. You know, actor, director, comedian, very successful, but... He is also the son of legendary comedians, Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira. So he comes into this guy's mentions and gets all huffy about it. And he, at one point, I have to get to this. Yeah, he wrote, um, I would bet they have all faced challenges different than those with no access to the industry. Showbiz, as we all know, is pretty rough and ultimately is a meritocracy. Okay, you freaking idiot. I am fine with your career, fine with Ben Stiller's career, fine that he got a leg up because of his famous parents. And I actually feel like he has established himself. He's, then, not, he's right. not famous for that for being their child. He, he's he got a string of iconic films and performances under his belt, uh, and, and going that, back almost 30 years right, to Reality and, Bites. And we acknowledge that he is talented. Right. Know, that he but produced something real, creative. To come out and say that, um, to, to get annoyed at the idea of nepotism in his industry. And then to say, I mean, to say that show business is ultimately a meritocracy. Oh my God, seriously? 
as I said to Lorenzo this morning, I was like, half the restaurants in Manhattan are full of amazingly talented performers, actors, and who haven't gotten their chance. We never got a chance. California, the Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, the idea that everybody who made it in Hollywood is there because of merit is so. It just shocked me to see someone uh, actually say. So, I mean, I get that you are privileged, blind. But how could you be so privileged blind as to say that Hollywood is ultimately a maritime? It, it's not. It's Come not. On. And then Destry, Steven Spielberg's daughter, who is 24 and is getting to direct this film. Yes, it's a short movie, whatever movie, but it but she's directing a Your movie. Your last right. name is Spielberg and you're 24 years old. For you to, because she came out, she got really upset by it. She, she wrote a tweet and then she deleted the tweet and she said she acknowledged her privilege, privilege or whatever, yeah. but she's trying to help others. And, Look, you're 24 years old and your last name is Spielberg and you're getting to direct a film with a bunch of stars in it. How about you just thank everyone for the opportunity and promise that you'll try and do best and give opportunities to other people who aren't the children of famous people. But that's not what she did. And the whole thing between her and, and Ben Stiller, it was really just, so I guess I don't count myself as a naive person, but sometimes I do need this reminder that, wow, they, people don't see the world as you think they would. No, no. You would think Steven Spielberg's daughter would understand how much privilege she has, but, and you would think that Ben Stiller would understand that, um, but... I think when it comes to this is the problem with white people and privilege. Um, they they can recognize it as a concept, but they can't apply it to themselves. They often we often can't apply it to ourselves um, because if we apply this, if we acknowledge our own privilege, then we have to acknowledge that um, whatever we have accomplished is at least some of that is due to privilege and not due to our own talent or hard work. Everyone wants to believe that their own talent and hard work gets them to wherever they are. But white people have privilege and the children of famous or wealthy white people have privilege out the wazoo. And if you can't acknowledge that, or if you are getting upset when other people acknowledge it. Right. Wow. I mean, I really, I don't care about Destry Spielberg. I've never even heard of her before this week. And I don't even know if I'm going to run it. I mean, maybe she's incredibly talented. I don't know. But Ben Stiller, who's been around forever, I just, I'm shocked. I'm like, really? You really think that your parents had nothing to do with you but, getting a leg up? Your last name? But that's a great example of how they they function in Hollywood. All these kids. I mean, we. I mean, we. I have a ton of of, of friends in the entertainment industry, and and you know, zero point one percent get gets a chance to do anything, and they're all talented, but they don't get a chance to do anything. They don't get opportunities because they don't know the right people. Uh, they don't live in the right place, uh, and you know, and they—they're not children of, of of famous people. You see that all the time. I mean, I'm, there are countless families in Hollywood. They, right. they all, and you—you you see, I mean, you see these pictures. I see all their pictures going out. They're privileged people, right? Uh, with right. beautiful homes, a lot of money, and they don't have. I always say this: they don't have careers. They have—they have projects. They decide to do something, yeah. and they have all. Hobbies. Yeah, they have hobbies and projects. And, and they have all the money in the world and all the support to to go on with these little projects that they think you know they're going to change the world uh, you know with these things. So it it's it, it's a little gross, but it is the way it is. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I don't expect you to acknowledge it, but to no, deny, I expect you to acknowledge. It. Well, I, that would be too much, but to to deny it. 
that's a little too much for me. I am nowhere near as successful as Ben Stiller and probably will never be as successful as, as Jeffrey Spielberg winds up being. Um, I don't bemoan them or begrudge them any of that, but the part I think that annoys me is be, I'm nowhere near their level, and yet I have spent at least the last 10 years trying to navigate and acknowledge the privilege I have as a white man. Um, because I feel like I, if I go through life without acknowledging that, I'm going through life with blinders, and I'm probably you fall into this pitfall of racism, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Right. Franklin Leonard's point wasn't, oh, nepotism is terrible. His point was nepotism is why Hollywood is so white. He was just Nepotism is yes, why there's yes. no diversity in Hollywood because the children of the already powerful are getting, you know, le, you know, advantages that nobody else gets. And you, the powerful people in Hollywood are 99.99999% right. white. So... Um, to not acknowledge that is a, um, uh, it is actually a form of racism, it, whether, yeah, they're not going to acknowledge that, but to not acknowledge your own privilege as a white person, especially as a famous, wealthy white person, um, is to assume that, uh, and I mean, Ben Stiller more or less came out with this when he said showbiz is a meritocracy. Therefore, the reason it's not diverse is because non-white people just don't aren't on the same level as white people. Like, this is what happens when you don't navigate what you're actually saying. This right, was his right. knee-jerk response. And I don't know Ben Stiller, but I honestly think, and he did, to his credit, by the end of it, he was in a long conversation online. He was answering on social media, answering all this stuff. And he did seem to sort of get it by the end of the conversation. Like, he did acknowledge that diversity was a huge issue in Hollywood and nepotism contributes to that. But he still wasn't quite there yet. And when you go around as a wealthy white man, son of wealthy white parents, saying that everything you got is a meritocracy, uh, you're you're saying that people that aren't white and wealthy don't have the same level of merit as you. Yeah. That's the bottom mm -hmm. line. That's what you're saying, whether you realize it or not. So I didn't mean to turn this into preachiness, but um, every once in a while, uh, I'm not going to get into politics, but I... I I see this every once in a while with po politicians where some sort of off record or off the cuff remark reveals to me that, oh, they actually really believe all the shit that they spew. Oh, I absolutely. always go through life thinking politics, politicians don't believe that they're playing to their constituents and what and then something will come out and I'll be like, oh, fuck, Mitt, Mitt Romney really believes that 40% of people in America are takers and not, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's sort of like this is this is the same sort of thing where it's like, oh Jesus, you really showed your ass on this one. I I know that Hollywood is racist. I know that it, there's privilege out the wazoo. I know there's nepotism all over it. So none of that is surprising to me. But I guess I thought everyone involved secretly knew that it was this way and just didn't want to acknowledge yeah. it. And then you have someone like him saying, oh no, it's America. Yeah. Like blindness, delusion. Yeah, I always he always go goes back to my point that if you live the entire life uh, surrounded by money, wealth, and 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 people saying yes to you all the time, there's no way in hell you're gonna get a better understanding. I agree. of what's out there. You don't. Yeah. You don't. And that's pretty much 99% of the uh, Hollywood. Yeah. You know, community. They they don't. They don't get it. Yeah. Um. And they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But that's the reason why they, they don't get it. And then now we have social media where they go and then they, they just show off their ig ignorance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Hollywood, terrible, terrible. And all the white people in Hollywood, you should be ashamed. It's just, I, I, it just, 
again, goes back to what I said. You just don't know. You just don't get it. You, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. If you go on social media today, 2021, and say shit like that, you really don't get it. Yeah, you are completely living in a bubble, a bubble of privilege uh, and delusion. And on that note, I yes. think we're going to we're end. going back to our pool time yes, and drinks. Yes, we're going back to fruity drinks and pool time. <laughs> and we'll be thinking of you the whole time. Yes. But, uh, listen, if there were sound issues throughout this, we, we apologize do apologize very, and very also much. just get over it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just get over it. We're on vacation. But we're here. We're having. We're really having a good time. We're here and we're yeah. queer. Yes, we're. I love this island, Fire Island, so much. I was actually talking to our friend Mark uh, about how when I'm here. I feel like I'm surrounded by history, by queer history. And if you go online, you you understand what I'm talking about. I mean, it goes back to the, what, late 19th? It goes back 100 years. Yes. It's just just crazy how much gay, uh, gay or and or queer history uh, is here everywhere you go. Um, so I love I love being here. I feel like I'm, I'm with my people when I'm here. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Me too. So we're going to get back to our people and say goodbye to you who are also our people for one more week. Uh, until then, uh, when we come back with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk, take care of yourself. Be safe, especially now yes, with yes, Delta out God, there. Yes, yes, please. And love you, and we mean it. And bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.